If you would, turn with me in your copies of the Scriptures or on your digital devices to Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading verses 1 through 21 today. However, our primary text uh, will be from verses 16 through, uh, uh, let's see, 16 through 21. I'll also be reading a short passage from Ezra chapter 8 following the Matthew passage. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, hear once again the very words of God. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they uh, may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward." But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray." Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And now from Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. 
So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and He answered our prayer. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, as we continue to think and look into your Word regarding how you teach us about fasting, we pray that we would be faithful to your instructions, that you would give us insight as to how we ought to do it, that it would be pleasing in your sight, Father. We thank you for our instruction from our Lord Jesus, your Son, who when he was instructing his disciples on how they should act in the synagogues, in the temple, before men in prayer, and before you in fasting, that he touched on the humility that is evidenced in Ezra when they returned to Jerusalem. And so, Father, help us to understand these things with greater clarity, that we might honor you in our practice, that our belief would result in practice that is faithful and trustworthy in your promises. And this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Well, as we contemplate planting a new church in Wilmington, Ohio, it behooves the leadership and the congregants of our church to solicit God's favor and his wisdom in a manner that is in keeping with the scriptures. The people of God have throughout the scriptures been confronted with various circumstances in which God was leading his people in advancing his kingdom. Some of those circumstances included hardships and dangers, while others were less dangerous, but were still tests of faithfulness. In the midst of these occurrences, prayer to God was always practiced, and it was often accompanied by fasting. Last Sunday evening, I preached a sermon in Wilmington whereby I surveyed some of the occasions in Scripture when fasting took place And then we focused our attention on our Lord's 40-day fast immediately preceding His public ministry. This morning, I want to focus our attention on on how we should fast and pray. Our Lord showed His affectionate concern for His disciples in giving them specific instructions on how their faith should be practiced, and that included the practice of fasting. Yet his instruction is is brief from this passage, just a few verses, and it is contrasted to worldly practices, and it is attended with great liberty. So these three aspects of his instruction become the outline for my sermon today. First, fasting is an assumed activity, an assumed activity, a normal activity of the one who serves God. Second, Jesus contrasts this normative activity with hypocritical fasting. And then lastly, because our Lord's instructions are couched in the negative, what remains for us necessarily includes much liberty. So let's begin. Fasting is a normal activity. I believe the New American Standard Bible, which Shay reads from when he reads Scripture in worship, has a very helpful translation of verses 16 through 18 of Matthew 6, which is my primary text today. In the New American Standard Bible, verse 18 begins this way, Whenever you fast, do not put on gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance 
so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say, they have their reward in full. Beginning of verse 17 reads, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Our Lord has been instructing His disciples on how to pray, and He tells them to pray not like the hypocrites who want to be seen by men, but to pray in secret behind closed doors, verse 6. And in that same verse, the overriding principle of humility is taught when Jesus says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Our Heavenly Father is just that. He is a benevolent Father. Righteous. A righteous Father delighting in giving good gifts to His children. And in these passages, in verses 18 and 17 respectively, we see that both verses begin whenever you fast, but when you fast. And so these are normative activities for the people of God. The benevolent Father then sees this kind of attitude in His people. And in, later in, in the very next chapter in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, we read this. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if, he, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets." Jesus has very clearly taught that His heavenly Father and our heavenly Father, as sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, our heavenly Father delights in giving good gifts to His children. It is in the asking that I want to focus our attention then in chapter 6. Jesus says at the beginning of verses 16 and 17, whenever you fast or when you fast, Here we are confronted with the idea that fasting again is a normal practice. It is just something one does when soliciting God's favor. Hence, whenever you fast or when you fast are phrases of implied understanding. Now I must confess that fasting is seldom in my thought process when I pray for God's aid. In our Just Add Water society, we are people given to the notion of instant gratification. We think that just merely because we ask that we should get. That's unfortunate. The Bible teaches us that when we come before God, that we should devote ourselves to His attention. Our attention should be devoted to His attention. And so when we come before Him, do we deliberately focus our entire attention in prayer to our Father? One way to do that is to set aside those things that we are given to on a daily basis. In this passage, fasting is assumed. 
It is assumed that you will fast. And when you do fast, there is something that should be on the forefront of your mind. And that is uncommon humility. Uncommon humility. And this brings me to my second point. Our Lord often contrasts righteousness with unrighteousness when He teaches His disciples holy activities. As regards fasting in our passage, this contrast is played out once again. Verse 18. Moreover, excuse me, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, you righteous men, you who follow me, Jesus is talking to his disciples, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Here our Lord is distinguishing between those who honor God in fasting and those who do not. To God, fasting is a private matter between you and Him. Let me say that again. Fasting is a private matter between you and Him. The description our Lord gives is that fasting is to be done in such a way that other men will not know you're doing it. You're not to broadcast it. You're not to wear it on your sleeve or on your face, as is the case in the description here. No, fasting is an activity of stealth. Fasting is an activity of stealth. Sometimes I wish we lived in an age when men tried to outdo one another in righteousness, which is what's being spoken of here by our Lord. In our society, righteousness has little to no importance. Thus, fasting in such a way as to be noticed is, a, is as rare as fasting itself in our society. The hypocrites want to be noticed that they're fasting. Well, that's an odd thing to see that in our society, isn't it? That men are trying to outdo one another in righteousness such that people would notice? No. Jesus warns against that. Fasting, as I said before, is an activity of stealth. And Jesus emphasizes the essence of our demeanor before God in prayer and fasting. That demeanor is complete humility. Just as we are to pray behind closed doors, we are to fast by means of stealth. And those around us should be none the wiser that we are fasting. That's how God wants us to do it before Him. Now, this makes it difficult practically in the home, right? Moms are making meals. All of a sudden, Dad's not eating anything. Uh, it's problematic. I think there is an exception in the families, particularly between husband and wife, after all the two have become one flesh, right? So for one to tell the other, I'm fasting, is not a wrong notion. Uh, and with children in the home, they too need to understand what's going on, and they need to follow after examples of their parents. So I don't think it's wrong in the family to make that known. However, outside the family... You don't need to make it known. This is a private matter, a private activity with you and God. 
So uh, Jesus emphasizes the essence of our demeanor, that is, uh, one of humility. We are to adorn ourselves in the normal way as to not draw attention to ourselves in the midst of fasting. And that's what he is describing with the hypocrites. They're contorting their faces. They're not washing themselves. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, go ahead and wash your face. They're they're trying to look uh, disheveled because of the agony of fasting. Brethren, that's not what God wants us to do. We're to do this in secret before Him. He sees us. He understands what we're doing. And we're to trust in His promises. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Notice too that our Heavenly Father does reward things done in secret. He rewards them openly, meaning before everyone. That's Three promises are made in this passage in that regard in Matthew 6. For those who are content to live in anonymity when soliciting God's help, don't be surprised when God's mighty hand and outstretched arm come to your very aid and very openly comes to your aid. You see, God sees what's done in secret. And He honors that. Humility is that way. Humility says, I don't care whether people see it or not. What I care about is how God perceives my heart. And when you devote yourself to seeking God's face and fasting, as He's taught here, as Jesus has taught, by stealth, you're devoting yourselves to God alone. This is an opportunity for you to spend time with your Heavenly Father and to do it in earnestness. What is our chief end in life? Our catechism teaches us to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We should rejoice when God is glorified in answering our prayers. Not because we offered the prayers, but because He is faithful to His promises. And the promise here is quite clear. If you do this in stealth, if you do this in your closet, if you reach out to God in this way, He is going to openly reward you. This is a valuable lesson that we must learn. Do we delight in seeing God's faithfulness to His promises in the lives of others? Do we rejoice in that? Or do we envy when God working in the lives of others blesses them and doesn't necessarily bless us? When true humility is practiced, we should rejoice in the covenant-keeping hand of God His blessing wherever it falls. And here we have a very clear promise. Do these things in secret and God will openly bless you. The hypocrite envies and wants to be acknowledged by men. But the righteous man, the one who is humble before God, who seeks his face by way of stealth, he can rejoice in God's faithfulness when it is poured out and on whomever God chooses to pour it out. So this brings me to the last point, and then I'm going to do some brief applications. It's, this passage is written in the negative. Don't be like the hypocrite. Do these things in stealth. 
and God will reward you openly. But Pastor Hickey, Jesus tells us what not to do. Don't fast like hypocrites. But where are the instructions on what we are to do? Well, there is one instruction there. Do it by stealth. Don't draw attention to yourself. Do it in a way that honors God. But brethren, God is the God of liberty. God talks in His Word about fasting, and occasionally we read of the length of a particular fast or the events surrounding times of fasting and and other incidental occurrences attending those fasts. But I am unaware that there are any other instructions in the Scripture on how to fast, save for this instruction in Matthew 6. It's so very brief. But God is contrasting our fasting with the hypocrite and tells us to do it in secret. So what does this overall silence mean about fasting? Why haven't we been given more instruction? The number of days that we should do it, how often through the year we should do it, what occurrences should uh, prompt us to do these things. Brethren, I believe the silence on all these things means that God has given us liberty in how we are to fast and when we are to fast. Fasting does not mean to or fasting means to withhold nutrition from oneself and to devote oneself to prayer. Some would go so far as to include the withholding of hydration as well. This could could be done for a short time of fasting, but for lengthy fasts the withholding of hydration is dangerous. To put oneself in danger by withholding hydration and nutrition for long periods of time does not seem to be the actions of a humble person. To tempt God with one's own life is beyond the purpose of fasting. Fasting is to be a time of focusing one's thoughts and prayers without the distraction of nutrition for a short time. Fasting should not be a form of self-punishment. That's not the purpose of fasting. Thus, I believe God would have us forego nutrition to spend time in prayer with Him. The length of time is up to us. Again, that's the liberty that I believe the Scriptures give us. In this, we do have liberty. And I believe our Lord gave us an example that was at the outside length of time that we should fast, 40 days. The outside length of time. Uh, Clancy told me last Sunday night that he's only heard of one person in modern day that has done a 40-day fast. Well, brother, think about our, our uh, Lord Jesus. He's about 30 years old. He's a virile man. He's strong. He's, he's, uh, uh, he's without sickness, without disease, without any of those ailments. So for him to do a 40-day fast is a, 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 is a reasonable thing. For us, I would say no. I, I would say we don't have that kind of ability. Not even many of you young men that are here around 30 years of age or even less. If you're going to fast, that would be the outside length of time that I would say uh, you should do it, 40 days. But I believe it is appro- uh, the appropriate length of time God gives us the liberty to determine. And so we should do it before Him in a more... Uh, in a in a less lengthy circumstance. I also believe that we have liberty in the reasons we fast. One could fast to solicit God's favor for a sick loved one or friend. 
One could fast when one is making a major decision in in one's life, or when one's undergoing a particularly difficult trial, or when one is struggling with a particular temptation. Fasting can be done for any of these reasons. And I think we see examples of all of them in the Scriptures. All are worthy of such consideration when we pray to God for help. We pray for help with those who are ill. We pray for wisdom, for difficult decisions. We pray for uh, uh, strength to endure temptation. Or we pray for perseverance to work through a particular trial that God has given us. And so fasting would be appropriate for any of these. But again, our demeanor in fasting should be our greatest concern. Our Heavenly Father sees our heart. It is, our fa- is our fast a devotion to Him or an exercise in self-fulfillment? The former is acceptable to God. Fasting as a devotion to Him. The latter, an exercise of, of self-fulfillment, does not delight our God. And that's what our passage teaches us today. Well, now let me bring us to application. Uh, Brethren, our church is contemplating a church plan in Wilmington, Ohio. Such an endeavor should not be undertaken without humility, wisdom, discernment, and resolve. These qualities are given in abundance by our Heavenly Father. The Scriptures are also clear. We often have not because we ask not, or we do not receive because we ask amiss. That's the instruction from James' epistle. Planning a church is taking the kingdom of God to the enemy's territory. This is not to be done trivially. As I mentioned last Sunday evening, our Lord fasted with His heavenly Father for 40 days before He made a direct assault on the enemy's territory. He fasted for 40 days before He made His direct assault. And think about that 40-day fast. When did Satan tempt Him? If you read the passage carefully, it was at the end of the fast when He was at His weakest. That's when Satan came and tempted Him three times. And Christ, our Lord, our Savior, turned Him away with the Word of God all three times. If we're going to make a frontal assault against Satan's kingdom with a church plant, we need to solicit God's favor in the ways that Jesus solicited God's favor when He did the same thing. Now, I don't need, I've got to be careful. I don't want to equate church planning to dying on the cross and rising from the dead. It's not the same thing. These are lesser acts. However, I think Christ's example before us is salient. It's important. Uh, when, Christ, when Christ, after His baptism, takes 40 days to fast before the Father, before He goes in earnest into, into battle with Satan, we need to take note of that. We need to take note of that. And we need to follow His example. Follow in His footsteps. Let us walk in the steps of the stronger man described in Luke 11, 
who has vanquished the enemy already, that we too might pillage Satan's kingdom in a small town in southwestern Ohio. This evening I'll be preaching on corporate fasting in the Scriptures. It seems almost oxymoronic that we're to do this in private and then but we're supposed to do it corporately as well. Well, I'll, I'll deal with that this evening. I'll use the Ezra passage as a, as a, as a passage to, to speak from. But yes, God's people corporately need to solicit God's favor, particularly if it's a corporate effort that they're making. We are the body of Christ. We are one in that regard. And so we need to, to solicit God's favor as a whole people. So this evening I'll be talking about the corporate fast. The elders have spoken about this at the session level. We've talked about announcing a date for a future corporate fast, and we intend to, to do that. Uh, we have not uh, decided on that date as yet. We talked about Thanksgiving weekend, but the more we thought about it, that's the, probably not the best time to be fasting. It's probably a good time to be feasting, not fasting. So we, we decided against that, and, uh, but we will be announcing that soon. In the meantime, nothing's standing in our way to begin the common activity, and I want to stress that once again, the common activity of fasting. When you fast, Jesus says, or whenever you fast, assuming that it was a a normative activity, nothing is standing in our way to begin that common activity of fasting as we solicit God's favor upon the work and mission of Trinity, both in the north and in the south. We have opportunities here that have not yet been been, uh, taken advantage of here in Ludlow. And we want to do that as well. And so... Your elders are very sensitive to these things and want to encourage us to, to, to walk as our Savior walked in prayer and fasting as we do the work of the kingdom.